So without raising your hands to answer, how many of you have been guilty of this? Telling someone that you'll pray for them and you never actually do. You don't have to raise your hands, but I'll, I'll be the one to raise my hand on this. I, I'm guilty of this. In fact, um, more often than not, I'm guilty of it if I'm, I'm being honest. And I imagine it's the same for you. It isn't that I don't want to pray for people or, or that... I'm not uh, being genuine when I say that I'll pray for you, but I just never seem to get around to it. Um, in fact, even praying for myself and, and for my own needs, I, I find is often missing from my day-to-day faith practices. And, and I, I could make the excuse that I'm busy, right? But being busy isn't uh, really the bottom of it, is it? I mean, we, we make ourselves busy. We make ourselves busy to the things that are important to us. The things that we give our time to reveals the things that our hearts are attached to, right? Uh, the writer James K.A. Smith wrote in his book, You Are What You Love. He said, our action, our doing bubbles up from our loves, which are habits we've acquired through the practices we're immersed in. Our loves are the habits we've acquired through the practices we're immersed in. So let me ask you this. What practices are you immersed in? What practices are you immersed in that maybe are keeping your prayers few and far between? What are our hearts actually attaching to? What are our hearts attuning to, if not Jesus? So for instance, when we immerse ourselves in Netflix, rather than prayer, and, we, and then we call ourselves too busy for prayer, right? We're revealing a deeper love of something else and then a more shallow trust of God's ability to hear and respond to our prayer. And I, and I don't bring that up to shame anyone by any means. I think we're all sort of bent that way. I could, I could give you at least a couple of shows recently that I've just binge watched with, without even blinking an eye, you know? And so how else are companies like Facebook and, and Netflix thriving, if not on being able to seduce our hearts for lesser things? The term attention economy refers to this process by which ad companies utilize social media to profit from our immersion, from our attention. And so I just, I, I want to, I say that because I want to suggest to you that yes, it's, it's our attention but there is something much deeper happening. And that at the foundation of it all is our hearts. And it's pulling us away from this prayerful communion with Jesus that we're invited to. And I'm picking on things with a screen, but that could really be any number of things. And, and I don't want to be so narrow as to suggest that prayer only happens when we're alone in our homes at night, or even that prayer is somehow more spiritual when it's done individually uh, and in solitude. But there is a sense in which we miss out on a huge aspect of our faith and relationship to Jesus who prays with us and for us when we opt to do other things instead. And the reason I bring this up is because I was really captured this week by this passage from Hebrews, specifically what it means for Jesus to be our great high priest. Because if we really take to heart what the writer is saying, that it, then it, it wouldn't just be some task, right? If we really take to heart what the writer is saying, then it wouldn't just feel like a burden to pray for other people, 
but I think it would actually be a tremendous and joyful honor and a blessing and reward because we're not simply forming words and then just releasing them into the ether and crossing our fingers and and hoping that God hears them. But prayer means that we're actually aligning ourselves, our hearts and souls and bodies, minds and strength. We're aligning with Jesus because he is the one who knows us perfectly and because he knows us perfectly, he prays for us perfectly. And the picture is this, and I credit this to Susan Godwin, who I was having a conversation with about this yesterday. But picture this, Jesus at the right hand of the Father whispering your name, whispering your needs into the Father's ear. That's what it means that we have a great high priest who intercedes for us. You see, there was this old way of prayer that the, the writer of Hebrews is talking about here in chapter 7, in, in which in order to address this devastating division that sin causes between God and people, the community would have to enter into a fast and the high priest would have to be cleansed and animals would have to be sacrificed and uh, prayers were offered by the high priest that could only be offered one day a year. And, and all of these things took place in the hands of imperfect and fallible and sinful and finite people. And where that old way had been, God put in place a new one, and not just a new one, not just a better one, but verse 28 says a perfect one. And it says that he sealed it by an oath, meaning not to be rescinded. In other words, we don't have to get ourselves right. We don't have to create these conditions around us and create these conditions within ourselves before we approach God because he receives us directly through Jesus the Son. It is heartbreakingly bad theology, right, to think that we have to get ourselves or our lives in order somehow before we can approach God. Picture Jesus in human flesh with God making prayers for you, making prayers for you, his brother in the flesh, his sister in the flesh. And he's saying to God, here is your child. Here are their needs. Are they not beautiful? And God sees you not as this broken, shame-filled thing to despise, but he sees you as you've been loved into wholeness through Jesus. And his love for you is held back by nothing in all of creation. About 10 years ago, it was 10 years ago in November, Lynn and I had a little girl who was born with a significant birth defect. And before she was born, I I did exactly what you're not supposed to do. I, I, I Googled images of children born with this defect because we knew of her diagnosis in the womb and I, I wanted to know what to expect. And it scared me to death. I have a vivid memory of sitting on the sofa in our apartment and I was just sobbing and, and it was fear and worry and grief all mixed together that I would face my, my own child with this was unimaginable and, and frightening to me and I couldn't handle it. And that anxiety followed me through those months of the pregnancy and into the labor and delivery room. But when Annie was born, all that I saw was my child. 
And my child, physically imperfect as she was, was perfectly mine because of my love for her. Nothing of her image did I despise or reject. And I baptized her. I didn't have water with us, but I took our tears and I baptized her because I knew that the Father didn't despise or reject her either. Don't you understand that God is that kind of Father too? And that Jesus loves you into wholeness, that there is no defect that will cause him to turn away. God wants your heart and wants you to come to him and has made the most beautiful way through Jesus. Some outside of the faith look in and they call Christianity exclusionary because, they, because it seems to them that we say that the way to God, or we do say that the way to God the Father is through Jesus the Son, and that seems so limited. But when I think about this, really, when I think about how the nature of our hope in the Christian faith is love in the form of a person who is forever praying for us and who is forever loving us, perfectly into wholeness. I can't think of a more open and welcoming and beautiful thing to put my hope and my faith in. Another one of the old ways that the writer of Hebrews is referring to, to this, uh, to, to Jesus being the high priest is the obvious point that the high priests were limited by their lifespan. They lived and died right? There had to be new high priests to take their place. And the writer says that, of course, Jesus doesn't, that he lives forever, for eons is the word there. And whereas the old way of, of prayer, it could only occur one day a year with the high priest and the holy of holies, Jesus intercedes for us in prayer 24-7 as the holy one with God the Father. So when you wake up, Jesus is praying for you. He is praying to the Father on your behalf that, that what you do and what you encounter this day will, will bring glory to the Father and it will bring his kingdom here on earth, that it will bless you, that the blessings will pour out from your life into the lives of those around you. When you're going about your day and you just have those, those moments of awareness and, and just quiet, know that Jesus is praying for you. Know that he is in prayer with the Father. And as you're going to sleep at night, when you lay down to sleep, it is Jesus who prays that deep and restorative rest would, would come upon your body that night. And he doesn't just pray for you, but he prays for your family. He prays for, for your community. He prays for this church. He, he prays for his, the bride, his church. He prays for the nations, for all the world. Think about it this way. When, when we say prayers of the people in our liturgy, we are joining Jesus in prayer that is already in progress. And there may be no more beautiful and mysterious truth than I can give you today than this, that you never pray alone. It may feel like you're alone sometimes. There's plenty of times I can tell you I've prayed and it's felt very lonely but the truth is that you're never praying alone. But we have a responsibility to do in this, this work of aligning ourselves. We, we have to do that work of immersing ourselves 
and holy things, right? By the power of the Spirit, the Spirit's helping us to immerse ourselves in Scripture, in community, in uh, service to God and to others, and in prayer to reassess our schedules and our commitments and our hearts and the things that we give our time to, those, those quiet morning hours uh, before the world stirs, those sweet evening times as our bodies and our minds wind down, they're all brimming with opportunity to turn our awareness to Jesus, praying by the power of the Holy Spirit to the Father through the Son. And so what I'm saying to you this morning is that you can trust him. You can trust him with the small things. You can trust him with the big things and the medium-sized things. Because he, Jesus, is our great high priest and is actively working and praying for God's help and blessing and his good and perfect will to be done in your life and in all situations and circumstances. The invitation here is to pray with him. The science is actually there on this. Neuroscience tells us that prayer, and and I'm not just talking about meditation or moments of silence or thinking things over, but actually the practice of prayer, of, of speaking to God and listening to God, it literally alters the shape of our brains. Chemicals release, neurotransmitters shift their activity, and specifically the parietal lobe of the brain where our sense of self is kept begins to quiet down, and we begin to open up to the presence of God. And I'm reminded of the words of Jesus, actually, that if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. How would it change your life if you began to live into that truth that you were created to commune with God? What would that look like if along with our communal gathering and worship and immersion and prayer here, if you just simply set aside some time each day, it could just be 10 minutes, 10 minutes each day for prayer, do you think it would change your family or your home or your relationships, your marriage, your friendships, your neighborhood? How would it change you? The thing is, I I can tell you, I can't tell you how it would change, but I can tell you that whatever it is you're bringing to God in prayer, our high priest, Jesus, is praying on your behalf as well. I had an old seminary professor who called Jesus our holy editor-in-chief because he takes the desires and longings and imperfect words that we bring to him, and he tells the Father exactly and perfectly what we need. I didn't share this at 8 o'clock, but I figure I'll share it in here. Um, A couple of Advents ago, back when we used to do food in the commons afterwards and kind of gathering and and refreshments, my mom signed herself up to do refreshments. And I knew that when my mom signed herself up to do refreshments, that Gabe was signing up to do refreshments. (laughs) And I also knew that my mom, as a former caterer, was not just going to do, like, chips and dip. Nothing wrong with chips and dip, but it was to her. So she had, like, wassail, and she had these little 
egg muffin things. I don't even remember what they were called. And I just, all, just this whole spread of things. And so the service begins and I'm in the kitchen back there and I'm mad because I'm missing out on worship. And so I'm passive aggressively like throwing pans, like banging stuff around. And the doors open up, you know, somebody walking in or out, the doors open up. And I hear, to you all hearts are open, all desires known, and from you no secrets are hid. Cleanse the thoughts of our hearts by the inspiration of your Holy Spirit that we may perfectly. And I, and I just, it stopped me in my tracks because I knew that Jesus heard and saw me and that my brothers and sisters in here, you all, you probably heard me, but you all were praying for me even when you didn't know it. That's what Jesus is doing as our high priest. He is praying for you. He is praying for things that you don't even know about. What a beautiful truth for us to live in as Christians. Amen. May the habits we've acquired through the practices we're immersed in reveal a love for Jesus, for communing with him in prayer day by day. May we not be too busy or our hearts too distracted to attune to the great high priest who is offering up prayer for us now and forever shall be. May we come to him as we are and receive his love and intercession for us with glad hearts. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, amen.